0: Good morning. It's a privilege to be here. Um, Yes, so Clearwater College, we are a Bible college. We're located about an hour west of Red Deer in Alberta. Anyone been to Red Deer? Yes, good. Uh, If you're there again, uh, come check us out. We'd love to see you. Uh, We do have various programs, one, two, three, and four-year programs that we do run there. And if you or someone you know uh, is Uh, sensing that the Lord is calling them to be equipped uh, for life and ministry in the kingdom, um, Clearwater may be an option for you. And uh, if that's of interest to you, we have some paperwork in the back there uh, that you are able to help yourself to, plus our students and myself, we'd be happy to talk with you as well about our experience and and more information about the college. We are actually nearing the end of a seven-week ministry tour. So we left campus January the twenty eighth, went through Moose Jaw, spent a lot of time in the Steinbeck Winnipeg area, and now we are up here, which we are really uh, glad to be up here. I've known Pastor Jason for a number of years, but have never made it up here yet. So, this is great, and uh, we have one week left, and uh, it's been an adventure, just connecting with different ministries and just the family of God across the country is awesome, and so wherever we can be an encouragement, uh, it's a blessing for us too. All right. I understand that uh, Pastor Jason spoke about crazy faith last week, and we're a bunch of crazy people, apparently. <laughs> so this is just crazy all around. It's wonderful. And so uh, along the lines of that same uh, theme of faith, uh, I want to share, share this morning about faith and about the nature of faith. We've been, I mentioned on this ministry tour, and there have been a few instances where we've prayed for people and we've seen God do miraculous work. We've done some evangelism uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, A number of days we were doing evangelism, going and praying for people on the street and sharing the gospel. It was fantastic. And uh, there was at least two instances where um, different ladies, they had pain in their body and they were prayed for and immediately the pain left. We saw God do great work. Last week, we were at Calvary Church in Steinbach, Sister Church, Salt and Light, and uh, there was a, a man there who, his leg was really um, in a rough, in rough shape, yeah, and uh, and so Josh actually ended up praying for him, for the Lord to heal him, and uh, it was a short while later, he got a message just saying, yeah, it's, the pain is gone, and he was jumping around and running around, playing with the dog, and... And again, the Lord just did a, a miraculous work there in his body. And so it's, it's so exciting to see the Lord do these types of things. And we look forward to even more of that. Um, and so we praise the Lord for that. There is a passage in Mark, though, that just, it challenges me to just keep pursuing the things of the Lord. And to, and to keep, um, you know, even crying out to him to build my faith. In Mark chapter 6 verses 1 to 6 it says here jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples when the sabbath came he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed where did this man get these things they asked what's this wisdom that he that has been given him that he even does miracles isn't this the carpenter isn't this mary's son and the brother of james joseph judas and simon aren't his sisters here with us <coughs> excuse me and they took offense at him Jesus said to to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And then catch this next uh, two verses. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. In this particular passage, faith is connected with Jesus' ability to do miracles in his hometown. Now, notice it says, he couldn't do anything except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. You know what? We, we lay our hands on a few sick people, and we see them healed, and we're like, praise the Lord. This is so good. And it is. It really is. And I, I'm not taking anything away from that. But here, it's like Mark is saying, there should have been a whole lot more. He could only heal a few sick people. It's like, well, if we see that, we're like, yeah, this is awesome. But Mark presents it as, man, you know, there could have been so much more. Had their faith been built? Had, their, had they had a correct attitude towards the Lord? And so this continues to, to challenge me, to continue to build my faith. And so I love this whole idea of crazy faith. You know, we just want to pursue the things of the Lord and see what he does and see the miracles that he, he wants to do right here in the paw. In the scriptures... Um, there's a couple of places where sin is contrasted with faith. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I actually want to contrast sin with faith. One reason for that is because we're all familiar with sin. We have all sinned. Romans 3.23 is quite clear about that. We can all think of a time where we were like, I should not have done that. We've all sinned. And so, uh, if we're familiar with what sin is like, I think contrasting it with faith can help us become familiar with what this crazy faith might be like as well. In Genesis 3, verse 6, going back right to the garden, uh, we read about how, how God, right in Genesis, he created the world, and he created this garden, and he put Adam and Eve in this garden, and he told them to take care of the, the, the garden, and to keep it, and... Uh, they were allowed to eat from any fruit that they wanted to, except this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that was one they were not supposed to eat from. Well, one day Eve is in the garden, and, and she um, happens to be by the tree there, and strikes up a conversation with the devil, who's in the form of a serpent, and, and Satan deceives her, and says, no, 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 you're not going to die. God said that they would die the day that they eat of it, and And he says, no, no, you won't die. God knows when you eat of this fruit, you'll become like him, knowing good and evil. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so Genesis 3, verse 6, we read what happened. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And that was when sin entered the world. And we're still suffering the consequences of that today. So hold that, hold that, that Scripture passage in mind, Genesis 3, verse 6. And I want to refer uh, just briefly to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. It provides us a bit of a, a summary of the areas that we're tempted to in. And it relates to this passage in Genesis. Gen- uh, so first John two fifteen to 17 it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. There are these three, three areas that we're, we're kind of tempted in. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And going back to that passage in Genesis where it says, the woman, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, so there's a, there's a fleshly desire that was there, pleasing to the eye, the lust of the eyes, And desirable for gaining wisdom, that pride of life, she took some, and she ate it. All three of those temptations were present, and of course she was deceived, took it. Adam, he also took it, and they succumbed to the temptation. You actually also see, I won't go into it, but when you look at Jesus' temptations in Matthew chapter 4, you also see the enemy tempting him in these three areas, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And when we look at how this all happened, we see that there was, um, in, in, in terms of how sin played out and how it continues to play out even in our own lives, we see that the nature of sin is made up of unbelief, pride, and disobedience. That's the nature of sin. And I won't focus a whole lot more on that because I want to focus on faith. And so contrasting the nature of sin, and I'll refer back to this, but contrasting the nature of sin with faith, if sin, if the nature of sin is unbelief, pride, and disobedience, then the nature of faith is trust, humility, and obedience. And those three things are what I want to focus on. What does this look like? What do these three things look like? So trust. Trust. Trust, at its core, it's simply a confidence in the Lord. A confidence in the Lord. And the more that we know of God, the greater our confidence is. You know, whenever we, actually this morning during the prayer time before the service, I was thinking about faith and just that, that cry for, you know, Lord, increase my faith, increase my faith. It was just on my heart. And the way to do that is to, is to get to know Him more. As we understand His majesty, His greatness... Our confidence in him rises as well. There's there's an account in the Gospels where Jesus walks on water. And uh, I won't read it, but I'll give you just a a summary of it. It's found in Matthew chapter 14, also in Mark chapter 6, and also in John chapter 6. So, here what happens Jesus ministered to a bunch of people, uh, to a crowd, and he sends the disciples ahead of him in the boat on the, uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And he, in the meantime, goes up to a mountain to pray with the Father. There's a bit of a storm happening on the sea. He can see them in the distance. When he's done his time communing with the Father, he goes down and he goes to meet them. But they're in the middle of the lake. So how does he get there? He doesn't swim. He decides to walk on the water. And it l- makes it makes look. he makes it look like he's going to walk by them, and the disciples see him, and they're afraid. They're like, oh, what is it? Is Is this a ghost? And he's like, no, 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 don't be afraid, it's me. And so Peter, one of the disciples, he calls out to Jesus and he says, Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come out on the water to you, and I will. And Jesus says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat, walks on the water towards Jesus, but then he looks around and he sees the wind and the waves, and, and he gets afraid, and he starts to sink. And he calls out to the Lord, save me, and Jesus grabs him by the arm, And saves him, and they walk back together in the boat. They get into the boat, and the disciples are amazed at what just took place. So how does this relate to trust? Well, do you ever notice in this passage that when Jesus is walking by them, he doesn't say, hey, Peter, come out of the boat and walk towards me. It's actually Peter who takes the initiative to walk on water. He's the one who says, if it's you then tell me to come out on the water to you, and I will. How many times have we told the Lord, hey, Lord, why don't you tell me to do something that's absolutely impossible for me to do, and I'll go ahead and do it? We don't tend to do that. We're kind of afraid that he's going to call us to do something that's impossible for us to do. But Peter here is actually Saying, no, actually, tell me to do something that's absolutely impossible for me to do on my own, and I'll do it. That's trust. That is trust. There's a book, I believe it's John Ortberg who wrote the book, it's called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Gotta Get Out of the Boat. You see, some of these healings that that we saw... If we want to see people healed, you've got to pray for them. Step out in faith. See what the Lord will do. You know, re- renovations and growth, church growth, whatever the Lord has put on the heart of this church, if we want to see it happen, we've got to take that next step. Trust the Lord to see it happen. You know, we're not just supposed to believe that Jesus can walk on water, but we're supposed to believe that he can also make us walk on water trust in him and how do we trust in him well notice when Peter was walking on the water when he took his eyes off of Jesus he started to sink we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus Hebrews 12 verse 2 says let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and it sat down at the right hand of the throne of God He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who builds our faith. And how do we do that? By fixing our eyes on him, the one who can walk on water. In the scriptures, when when something was underneath somebody's feet, that meant that they had authority over it. And we read about how, you know, Satan is underneath the feet of Jesus and so on. When he's walking on the water, the storms, the waves, they're underneath his feet. They're underneath his feet and he invites us to walk on the water too. Trust in him and keep your eyes fixed on him and see what happens. Um, you remember the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life? Those three areas that we're tempted? The lust of the eyes, we're often distracted with different things. Whether it's, it's things that are like, oh, I want that or Or concerns like the wind and the waves. Oh, what about this? What about this? What about that? But the call is, no, fix your eyes on Jesus. Instead of the the lust of the eyes, fix them on Jesus. Trust in him and see what happens. Secondly is humility. Humility. So our trust comes from knowing who God is. But the more that we see who God is, the more we recognize who we are in contrast to God. He is God, and I am not. John the Baptist, in John 3, verse 30, he said, He must increase, I must decrease. The last thing the world needs is more of Gene. needs more of Jesus. It doesn't need more of, you know, my greatness, whatever that is. It needs more of the Lord. I'm going to read uh, in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 to 8 this is a passage that speaks about uh, the humility of Jesus and how we are actually called to follow his example actually I'll start in verse 5 it says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing Taking the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's actually five statements in here that that reinforce the humility that's found in Christ. And remember, it says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So this is the pattern we're, we're to follow. First of all, it says that he did not grasp at equality with God. Again, look at look at the Garden of Eden. The temptation was, the lie that the enemy said is, yeah, part of it was, you know, God knows when you, when you eat of this, you'll become just like him, knowing good and evil. You will be able to, to become like God. Weren't they already like God, created in his image? They already were, but it, he stirred up this desire to like take God's place in some way. You will become like him. And so they're grasping at this equality with God. And they end up taking of the fruit and eating it. And God even says later, well, now they've become like us, knowing good and evil. And So they did. They did actually in that way become like God. But they were never meant to. We're never meant to take the things that are reserved for the Lord only. To take his throne. To try to sit as lord of our own lives what resulted from that well in the garden they they hid they were ashamed they were afraid isn't that what we do still we're afraid there's there's so much shame and anxiety and fear that exists in our world and god is like just i got this i got this just trust in me so jesus he doesn't he doesn't grasp at equality with god obviously he he was god is God, always was God, but he provides us with an example there. Um, Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Other versions will say that he emptied himself. He never emptied himself of his deity. He always was God, but he certainly, as a man on earth, wasn't in the same glorious position that he would have been in eternity in heaven. He humbled himself, emptied himself. Then it says, taking the very nature of a servant. So it wasn't just that he became a man. He actually, him who was in the form of God, actually now took the form of a servant. That word can also be translated as slave. Not just a regular man. Not, not like a prince or a, you know, some rich person. He actually took the form of a servant, of a slave. And then it says, and he humbled himself and became obedient to death so he humbled himself not just by becoming a man not just be, by becoming a slave but humbling himself to the point of death when he never deserved it the wages of sin is death it says in math uh 6 the penalty for sin is death but he never sinned so he never deserved death and yet he humbled himself to the point of death and the one last statement there is even death on a cross it wasn't just any death he didn't die of old age He died the most humiliating death that one could die hanging naked on a cross beaten crucified he literally humbled himself to death this is the example we're to follow not that we're necessarily called to die in that way but but that humility where it's just lay it all down lay it all down we are not about building man's kingdom, but about building God's kingdom. We pray that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. Our dean of education at the college, he always says, you know, when we pray your kingdom come, that implies my kingdom go. We want to see his kingdom, because his kingdom is far greater than anything we could come up with on our own. So we walk in, in trust and confidence in God, And that means we don't put our trust and confidence in ourselves. Remember the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. When we walk in humility, that that helps to deal with that whole area of the pride of life. And what happens when we humble ourselves? Well, we read, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we humble ourselves and follow Jesus' example, he is glorified. And that's what we want. That's what we want in the paw, that's what we want across Canada, to ge- that Jesus is glorified. And third is obedience. Obedience the third part of the nature of faith so the first was trust the second is humility and the third is obedience so when we when we place our trust in Jesus and we, when we understand who we are in contrast the, him, to him and recognize that we are not God and it's all about him that naturally then leads to obedience because we recognize oh yeah you're the one in charge I'm not so I'll do whatever you need me to do you're the lord in John fourteen fifteen, it says Jesus says to his uh, disciples if you love me you'll obey what I command and so when we have that relationship with the Lord when we say yes to Jesus yes I love you it naturally results in a life that pursues obedience to the Lord James chapter 2 is quite clear about this as well that uh, faith without works is dead if we have a true faith in the Lord, there's there's got to be some evidence of it. Doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, but it's more than just agreeing with something mentally. It says uh, in James chapter two again. It says that you know you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that. It doesn't help them get saved. Our faith is made complete by our obedience. It naturally leads to obedience it's proven by obedience and it's not it's not that obedience it's not that our works save us that's that's very clear in the scriptures Ephesians 2 verses 8 uh, to 10 and it says for it is by grace that we have been saved through faith and this not of ourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast it is by faith not by works, but the very next verse says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So that faith, that trust in the Lord that we have, naturally leads to a life of obedience. By their fruit you will know them, Jesus said. So what is the fruit that is in our lives? The fruit of obedience. Is it evident in our lives and how do we walk in this obedience I, I you know that's a question I think we probably all wrestle with at one point or another in our lives of faith it's yeah I want to obey the Lord but I I just keep messing up it's true we all stumble in many ways James 3 2 but it's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in us We just in humility we lay ourselves before the lord we say i trust you and i will do whatever you want me to do and you empower me by your spirit to walk out the life that you've called me to walk galatians chapter 5 talks about the deeds of the flesh and how they're obvious but then he says but the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its, with its passions and desires. This is the key to obedience, crucifying the flesh. See, crucifying the flesh, that, that refers to our, our fleshly desires, that lust of the flesh. Remember, there's lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. We're called to crucify that by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. To crucify that. That's not just throwing it in a closet or shoving it under the rug. Crucifixion is brutal. And so that flesh that doesn't want to do what the Lord has called us to do, he's like, crucify it. Crucify it. Walk in obedience to the Lord. This is the nature of faith. That that extravagant love and extreme submission to the Lord, trusting him, whatever. You say you're the boss. I trust you because you have the words of eternal life. You can walk on water. You heal the sick. You created all of this. You are the king of the universe. I can trust you. And I lay myself down because it's not about my kingdom. It's about your kingdom. And whatever you call me to do, but as you empower me by your spirit, I'll walk that out. And if we have said yes to Jesus, his spirit lives in you. His spirit is in you, and he will empower you as you humble yourself before him to walk in the way that he's called you to walk. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Imagine the things that the Lord could do when we just say yes to him. I have faith in you. And even when we imagine it, it says no mind has conceived. It's even greater than that. So let's not be like Nazareth where he couldn't do a whole lot because of their lack of faith. let's have that crazy faith because we're crazy people and walk on the water, humble ourselves to death, maybe not literally, and just walk the path he's laid out for us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. As they come up, maybe, maybe someone here, maybe online, maybe you don't know this whole faith thing. You've heard of Jesus, you know, uh, of a God. Or maybe you you have had faith in Jesus in the past, but you've turned away from him. Today is the day of salvation. He's calling you. You're listening to this because he's calling you back to him. Because he wants to be in relationship with you. And you know, sometimes we think, well, yeah, but I'm not good enough. I can't. I can't do everything. You talked about obedience, Gene, but I I can't do it. That's right. That's why God sent his son to do it. He's the one who accomplished all the work because we can't. And so he says, "If if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is not complicated. Surrender your life to him and trust in him. I'm going to pray, and if that's speaking to you, I want you to pray that to the Lord as I'm praying this. Father, we're so grateful that you sent your son into this world. You saw the mess that we made of it. The suffering that so many have endured and you said I want to rescue those people because I love them so much and they can't rescue themselves thank you Jesus for coming and taking our sins to the cross crucifying them there taking them to the grave leaving them there and rising from the dead on the third day so that we can actually share in that that we also can have our sins dealt with and we can rise to eternal life with you. You did the work, and you simply say, Come. And so, God, I pray for those that, that this has been stirring in their hearts. Lord, I, I ask. For, for those of you, if this is something that you, you sense the Lord is leading you to do, just, just tell them, Lord, I, Jesus, I, I admit I'm a sinner, I'm lost in my sin. or or I've turned away from you. But I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Thank you for dying on the cross and I confess you as my Lord. I surrender my life to you and I trust you. And for all of us who belong to the Lord, God, I, I pray that you would stir in us that crazy faith that faith that trusts in you absolutely, that faith that humbles ourselves, humbles ourselves to death, and that faith that, that has the fruit of obedience in walking it out. Lord, I pray for just your miraculous ongoing provision for the light to shine so bright here through the, way, uh, through the PAW Christian Fellowship. God, we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the message today. We trust you will have a fantastic week. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.